You are going to love this upcoming conversation on the podcast. Uh, I've known Kirsten for a number of years now, actually, and been privileged to work in her companies, uh, supporting the training and development of their um, leaders and and supporting culture. Um, And so here are a couple of things that we talk about just to get you excited to stay on. Now, one of the things Kirsten is an expert in and is doing research on, which we'll go deep on, is the Sunday night blues. So if you've ever experienced the Sunday night blues, you know what I mean. That kind of sick feeling the night before thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on at work? Now there's surprising information in the research. It, I learned something that I wasn't aware of. So if, if you've ever had that feeling and want to know what to do about it, uh, listen straight through to this episode. We do also talk about, uh, and this is my influence, but how cults are like corporates. And what are some of the things that we choose not to see when we are in a situation? It's almost like um, a toxic relationship where we're like, no, but uh, the workplace is fine, or they didn't mean it, or next time we'll be better, or once I get to this point, then I'll be okay. You know what I mean. So we talk about those similarities and and what are some of the things we we should be looking for as individuals when it comes to improving well-being. And then uh, this interesting conversation, getting Kirsten's ideas on, hey, if you want to be a profitable, successful company, can you even create space and time for this culture business and focusing on well-being? Some real interesting tips, tools, and ideas uh, on this episode. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast with Petra and Perks. This podcast is simple. We want to go beyond bubble bath well-being and think deeply about the world we live in and what it really takes to thrive. This includes things like activism at work, challenging the cult in culture, and of course, having brave conversations that lead the way in building a future of work that we want to be part of, including making benefits inclusive for all. So let's dive into our next episode. Welcome everyone to the Disrupting Wellbeing Podcast. I'm so excited about this episode. I say that all the time, but actually Kirsten and me go way back. So I'm excited for the guests that I've got now. Kirsten Ferber, she's the people director at Channel 4. I mean, everyone UK side knows what Channel 4 is all about, Uh, but you just have an illustrious career as well. So prior to this, Kirsten's held a number of senior people roles, including BBC Worldwide, Kantar, 20th Century Fox, Discovery. I mean, I've known you for a few of those roles, which is um, pretty exciting. Uh, in all these roles, your main responsibilities have been around development of the organization's culture, which is really why I'm interested in having you today, um, and thinking about behaviors to support and deliver a global growth strategy. Uh, I love that you are also a non-exec director for British Wheelchair Basketball. I feel like there's a side note that we could go <laughs> down there. Um, uh, but then really exciting is your recent work with the University of Exeter, uh, researching and exploring the causes of the Sunday night blues, really a big thing for people. So those anxious, low mood feelings you get on that Sunday, if anyone can relate, we're going to go deep onto this. Uh, and that can really impact your ability to perform your best on Monday. Welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thank you, Petra. Thank you for that wonderful introduction with lots of energy. So so many things going on for you. I'm excited to have you. Um, anything you would kind of, any gaps there just as far as projects you're working on or uh, things that you're excited about at the moment? No, no. I mean, there's, as, as we were talking before, there are many exciting things going on as the world is changing a lot. Um, and the Sunday Night Blues project is probably the area that um, 
I'm sort of deep into at the moment, as as you mentioned, we're doing some research with Exeter. Um, And what I was really interested in is, and you know this, as you start having conversations with people, there's a lot of resonation of, oh, actually, yes, Sunday night. Yeah, actually, I get that low feeling. Um, So to be able to put some data behind it and actually start to come out with, very interestingly, even if you love your job, you you might get that feeling. And I think that really connects in terms of the whole wellness uh, piece. Um, how can you be your best self, the competitive world we're in at the moment? So if people are even loving their jobs and they're having that feeling and maybe not starting in the sort of the best way, um, there's definitely something there to really focus. So we're really looking at what is that transition from a Sunday or even a Friday night to a Monday morning um, which is very individual, as these things always are, if you're a leader and individual. So that piece of work, I think, is really going to connect many dots of, of many things that we talk about. Absolutely. How far into the research are you? Like, what's the what's the timeline for you? So we've just um, had the preliminary research a few months ago, okay. and we should be looking at our final deep dive research end of the year, looking to share it beginning of next year. And really importantly, you might have data, but I really believe it's like, what's the action? What are you going to do about it? And more importantly, what are the practical things that anyone can do? And there will be some things that are a little bit more complicated when you're looking at an organization culture uh, that will really um, start to really ramp up some of those things as well. So beginning of next year, we'll have much more, um, much more to share with people. And next year is around the corner, right? Um, it, it really is. Um, it really what, is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, 2024. Um, what's your connection or inspiration to the Sunday Night Blues topic? Like, have you ever been in that position where you were like, oh, ugh, Monday's around the corner? Definitely. And, you know, and I, I'll be, I still have it now. I mean, I have the most fabulous job, really interesting organization, uh, work with some fantastic people. And I still have this anxious feeling of, oh, wow, next week's going to be really busy. How am I going to fit it all in? Uh, Where do I get to? What am I going to do first? And I believe in the weekend, if you you have got that work pattern, you you want to spend it with your family and friends. You know, I do a lot of yoga. Uh, how, How do you keep that different perspective and recharge so that you can start the week in the right way? And if you're starting to eat your weekend away, that personally is not good for me because when you're managing a team or if you're in a people position where you're supporting other executives or employees, um, it's really, really important that, you know, you've got your oxygen mask on first so that you can support other people. So I, I definitely get it. And I've had it in different waves, depending on different roles and the different stress levels. I've, I'm learning something new already, which is that you can actually love your job and have that feeling like it's more um, maybe a slight overwhelm or a slight like um, thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got so many things to think about. Mm-hmm. or And that could be that you love the projects and that you're exciting about it. But especially people in people roles, right? There's the job that you're doing. And then there's all the extra bits, the firefighting, the um, emotional labor, the support for others. There's this whole range of things. Um, so you're, so is it, is the idea to kind of help businesses help their employees with, with this kind of understanding and then, uh, crucially help them know what to do about it? Definitely. And I, and I really believe 
it's about, um, you know, you, you mentioned there about if you're in a people role, we're all in a people role to some extent. Thank you. You're right. We're either working, you know, within our teams, within our colleagues, we're either managing, we're either leading, um, we're working with our customers, we're thinking about new people coming in. So I believe everyone has a people element to their role, whatever, where, whatever that is, because uh, at the end of the day, we're all human. So this really is about what are some of the a toolkit in a way, some practical things which will be individually what what can you do now that might be something very very simple on a friday um uh, one of one of the bits of research that's come through it's very early is around if you if you make a list on friday of what are the things i really need to do next week you've sort of got a little bit of control around it so that you can pick that up on monday rather than just let it now that works for some people it doesn't work for others some people not very good on a first thing. Why would you do an update meeting with your whole team at nine o'clock on a Monday when people want a bit of time to go, hold a minute, what happened? What am I doing? Who am I? Am I yes. <laughs> but some people actually said, you know what, I really like a nine o'clock meeting because it really gets me going and gets me focused. So it's very much about having that um, conversation with the people you work with. So this research will come out with some practical tips, as I said, for the individual, which may be around that. Some of the things leaders, managers might want to think about, but then if you then take about the whole organization and the whole system, if you if you take that sort of, I suppose, technical world of how we all work with each other, what are some of the cultural things that are already in place that are working that can be joined up and dialed up so that you can get that flow through from, a, from the individual basis right through to the organization? Um, so that's where the research will come out. Um, but a very big underpinning of this is individual. And I know that's something that we talk about. Yeah. A lot. It's not one size fits all on many different levels. But it is that personal responsibility and collective responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're going beyond the theoretical elements. So like, why are people feeling this? And um, going into the practical kind of work context. So so what are the working practices? And it, like you said, it could be as simple as changing the time of a meeting to give people a, a little minute to get into the flow of their workload, to think about the, the varied personalities and needs that you have within, within a team or, or a group. If we just zoom out a little bit, I'm curious about well-being in general. So well-being, mental health. I mean, there's just been a rise not only in need, but also in responsibility for people teams. And as you say, we're all people teams. We're responsible for people in, in a context, right? Um, why do you find that the, the well-being topic has become so important? And I mean, how does it connect to the work workplace as far as you can tell? Well, you all know this, Petra, because we've talked about this a lot and, and given your expertise, the pandemic has created a, a complete sort of opening of levelling. And actually, it wasn't that long ago, although actually it feels like it was quite a long time ago. And how that completely shifted. If you remember before that, we used to talk about future of work. That whole, that word's gone now. It's yeah. like this levelling globally of we're all um, online in our you know, various locations uh, where we were living. But the, um, I think, openness of leaders of being so authentic and being open about how they were feeling um, and comfortable around wellness is such a line from you know, how am I feeling? I'm not quite feeling on my game to actually I'm, I'm really, I'm quite sick and, I, and I, how comfortable I am about talking about that. And, and I think that has just given us an opportunity for, leaders to be given permission to be authentic. 
I think employees now want to say, well, just tell me what's going on. I just need it because I get it. I'm a smart person. Give me the information. I can don't try and sugarcoat anything. And if we're open and authentic, that means we're starting to create this environment about being open and honest. And if we're open and honest, that gives people, I believe, more, here's my idea. I don't agree with your idea or actually or challenge the idea or can I agree with this idea? Whatever level you are in the organisation, and that having that perspective, diversity, wellness, purpose, strategy, define if you link all of those things together, because people make organizations at the end of the day. Um, I know we rely heavily on technology and we will obviously continue with AI, but the purpose and the soul of why an organization is there comes from that hum- humanity. So that wellness piece, that that company um, health check on all those different levels, I believe is really, really important. And new generations coming through, seeing how maybe their parents worked, going, do you know what? I don't want to work like that. Nope. <laughs> um, and seeing there's an opportunity of hybrid working rather than you're in the office or oh, you're working at home. What does working at home mean? Or you're completely working remotely. Um I think has really opened up that conversation around wellness and how people like to work. There were so many things that that I'm picking up on just just around um, connecting the dots between like diversity, inclusion, well-being, leadership. And I'm seeing a few things. So one is like people going, oh, there's an opportunity to learn and develop how we do this. Right. And those are the ones in a way on a path anyway to getting it right. But I'm also seeing some industries that are like pandemic's over. And I mean, is it if you watch the news now, because because who knows what's going to be happening, but almost like a tightening of a grip saying um, this is our policy for going in the office. This is um, we need people 100 percent mandated in the office. Like there's real um, kind of people who are not seeing this as opportunity, but instead thinking we must go back to the way things always were. But of course, they're not the way they were. Right. Things are changing. And so as as much as I'm seeing the opportunity, as you're mentioning, and I feel like that's the way we should be approaching it is like an experiment of like none of us have been here before. Right. We need those open, collaborative conversations to um, think about how we move this forward together. Now, before we go a little bit deeper into that strategic element, because I think me and you could just um, think about that all day. Let's get personal. Let's get personal Um, because disrupting well-being is all about rather than I I know you do yoga a lot, but but that piece of like well-being equals yoga or it equals bubble baths or self-care that happens outside of the workplace. For me, it's really and you know me is, is about like, well, what happens in the workplace? How are we integrating this into our daily work lives rather than going, go look after yourself after work? on the weekend, right? And of course that's important, but I think there's this bridge that we need to have. And one of them is around hard conversations. What are the brave conversations that we need to have and how do we show up in the workplace? So um, a, a bit straightforward for you, can you think of the last brave conversation you had? It could be work-related, it could be personal, but where you had to kind of put yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit to say the things? Um, that's a really hard question for this morning. I think, well, the way I I believe to answer it, and then I'll I'll share something that that we've got it into a habit with with my team, which I think also starts to answer that question around um, how do you bring this all together? 
And the brave conversations are sometimes saying, I'm not feeling great today. Right. Can you give me some space? But also, I think of, I'm just telling you that you don't need to do anything. And right. that's quite brave as a, as a senior person. I sometimes say that, but I'm not in a great place today, so I'm not going to, okay, fine, great. And, and I can have that conversation. Um, and also when you're seeing groups of people maybe not working at their best because the, the, it's a bit unclear how that team's working or how they're feeling. So if you're not having that open conversation of like, this is not working very well, bring that, bring that to the table. So one of the things that habitually um, that I do every week with my direct reports is we start the meeting with, are you red, yellow or green? Oh, you do a little check-in. Nice. Yeah. And, and you don't, don't go into detail if, unless you want to. Um, I get, as the leader, a quick overview of, have I got a team who are really red, who are really like strapped, or have I got a team who are really green? Or have I got a team who actually aren't quite saying what they think they need to say? But what's important is having that check-in because when someone says their colour, you also get the what the feeling is behind that. And then you can start to have the conversation, actually, hold on a minute, we're red here. So what are we going to do to support ourselves before you start jumping into an agenda? Now, is that brave? Yes, because I will share, actually, this is how I'm feeling and be very, very open. Um, and I think the more that people can do around that, um, that that sets the stage of again how to how do we work how do we start to move the work forward, um, and not necessarily it doesn't need to be a fifteen twenty minute sharing everything quick, quick little round. I'm curious because um, I know you've got some other things to add, but um, when you first started this practice right? Uh, what was their resistance? Like, did everyone just go, yeah, sure, I'm orange, or I don't know, did, did it feel like there was a little journey to get people to kind of get it and get involved and understand the purpose? Totally, yeah. And, okay. and what's, yeah, so it, take, it takes a few few rounds. Yes. Um, and then what's interesting now is when someone's deputizing, they go, what are you all doing? Oh, I get it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm this color. And, and that's important as well as you're starting to to bring, yeah. to bring it together. So yeah, it definitely takes some time. And I think there is a feeling sometimes of I'm green because of da 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 da, or I'm red because of da. No, you don't need to explain anything. You just say as much as how you feel comfortable, um, yeah, as you go through. So just tap in with um, a, a check in. And I always talk about like, the formal and informal ways, right? And so, and we need these in the workplace. So that's a more, I guess, formal way. It's like, hey, at top end of the meeting, this is what we expect. And, and I go first or leaders um, are involved. Uh, and then there's the more informal kind of challenging behaviors, or like you said, saying, um, you know, hey, I'm not feeling great today. And I find that people in people teams or management think that leading by example uh, when it comes to well being is always being great. Right. So it's going performance like I'm at my best. Yeah, I hit the gym or like I'll talk about that. But when I'm not having a good day, I feel a little bit ashamed. And I'm but that's leading by example, too. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and also sharing those times in your life that it's not worked out or yeah. I messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's very valuable. I know I've said it to my team. I said, I'm really sorry I've messed up for this team. I didn't do that. I didn't do a good job for us. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, and that's and you don't always see the immediate ripple effect of that. I know recently, um, a couple months back, I did something and I could have just, we work remotely, could have just kept it to myself and just dealt with the client and dealt with the thing that, that, that I sort of messed up. But instead, I was right on Slack with the team and said, oh, guys, I feel terrible. Like, I've done this thing and I didn't mean to and whatever. And I only found out weeks later that one of my team, as we, we had a review meeting about, you know, midway point of the year and we were thinking about our vision and all of that. Um, and she actually said, she went, that had a profound impact on me. And I was like, oh, right? It's so natural for me now. Because she said that made me realize that if I messed up, that was okay to just say it in a messy kind of like, I messed up. I don't have the solution yet. This is what I'm doing. Can you guys support me? Right? So it's, it's those little bits in the, in the workplace. I've totally interrupted your train of no, thought though. Just, yeah, go ahead. Right on to that. What's, what's important is and valuable of your, it's, you're joining the dots between a leader is sharing something and what's sometimes scary, people won't realize for a leader is you don't get any feedback. No. So you might say something, you go, oh, I messed up. Oh, oh did, should I have said that? I mean, right. you might talk to someone who's very, oh, do you think I went a bit, no, no, it's all fine. Oh, okay, all right, let's move on. But if someone's then having that, that's the effect you had on it and they're then coming back and saying, that's really, really important to recognize that moment because then it's about, it's creating that habit and it's creating that way of working and then it's supporting the culture. And then I believe it then becomes quite organic because you could get to the point, couldn't you, with that client going, oh yeah, thanks, you know, you, I don't know, you, thanks for being so honest, but actually I messed up on this bit and that's really helpful. So now we can have this honest and, and good, strong way of working. Um, and, I, and I really believe that's how you, um, I'm quite passionate about this. It's about how you evolve a culture. You can't yes. just suddenly go, right, we're going to be doing this because it's on a PowerPoint or um, we've said we're going to do it. It's about how are you living and breathing? And that takes time and this organic process that people will join if they feel they're a, comfortable with it, they agree with it, um, and they're, they're getting the feedback from it. And I love that you say that because some companies, they're like, okay, we did this push for a month or three months. We did a conference and we talked about it, or we have a policy or, you know, that kind of, um, we, we've done something, right? Um, but not thinking, how do we bring it to life? Does everyone understand our values, our mission? And um, we've got younger generations joining. We've got um, different departments. We've got different cultures. Like hybrid working has globalized many businesses, right? And so it's thinking, how do we continue to open those conversations about is this working for you? What, are there misunderstandings? Do we all understand this in the same way? But of course, that takes a little bit of time, right? And in a very reactive firefighting kind of world, I feel like that's the disconnect between the work we try and do uh, and what people think is important from a survival perspective. Totally, totally. And, I, and I, it's about having that agreed direction, which can change, of yeah. course. Because the world changes, things change, and humans, we go, actually, it might be better if we did it like this. But having that buy into that vision and that purpose and that constant connection, and then the everyday, what is the connection of how you're living and breathing that purpose and how are you course correcting in the smallest element, and then a, another um, check-in is how I think we start to see okay, this is success. This, this is a good place. I am doing great work. Oh, I haven't reckoned, I haven't stopped to recognize that, which is the other um, element to all of this as well. I haven't learned, actually, I could have done, that could have been better. 
Um, so it's creating that space and that time in this phonetic world that it's all task, 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 which I know many people have spoken to. Sadly, the team Zoom does create, is quite tasky in terms of mm. how the output of it rather than strategic and thinking. Well, people say that you can't create, uh, you know, a healthy culture virtually, but I believe you can, but you just need to be a bit more explicit and, and create those formal kind of pockets of like, let's all go into breakout groups for five minutes and check in with each other or whatever it might be. It's, it's using a, a bit more creativity. I want to just get, get back to you as a person. Um, okay. I find it very interesting personally um, because I grew up in communes and you know saw lots of people together all the time. And then we I see very similar um, traits happening in cultures and, and workplaces. And I think the it takes self awareness, right? So I feel like the roles that we play as in in childhood in our um, family units and you know whatever our culture was growing up kind of impacts the role that we play or the expectations we have of ourselves in the workplace. And of course, these are more fixed if we haven't done the work, right, so to speak. I said that in quotations for our audio listeners, but you know what I mean, the work is like, who am I? Um, how do I want to evolve as an adult? So I'm curious about like, what was the, give us a little sense of you as a child, like what was the role that was given to you or that you think you played growing up? Gosh. Um... Well, there's a couple of things that sort of come to mind and they're, they're weird. Um, they usually are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've talked about before, but I do remember um, quite young, I was somebody, a, a child that was very much uh, creative and wanting to create something that my brother, uh, my friends could uh, partake in and my parents. So uh, one I think holiday. I decided that in our garden, uh, which was you know very small, a uh, small garden, but lovely to have a garden, was to create a nature reserve. So I you know developed sort of the you know here's here's the snails, here's the you know this this tree, here's these leaves. Um, so that sort of creativity, and then with a here's a coffee, you can have coffees and teas, you know, at the nature reserve, and, and I suppose. As I've thought about that, because I always like to do these mad things of bringing people together, was um, that's something I really like. Um, and I think in my friendship group, that's I'm the organiser. I'm the, well, look, that person has got this amazing thing that they're doing. Should we go and see it? Or um, what about joining? That person would really get on really well with that person in my, but they haven't known each other, so how, how to make those connections. So. I think it happened quite as a young age and that I was encouraged to do that. I was and wondering I'm... if it was celebrated because that usually helps, doesn't it? Definitely celebrated. Um, and my mum is very much like that as well. So she's still, um, she's in her 80s now and, and absolutely plays that role in, in her, her street of connecting people um, of who would get on of different ages as well and different generations. It's, it's quite fascinating. So was it quite natural for you to then find your place in the type of career that you've had? Or, or was there, I mean, we've all had a bit of a journey, but um, was there a moments of, of kind of being a bit more lost or not allowing yourself to use those skills that, that obviously help you thrive? Well, I, um, when I, I, when I went to university and I knew I was very interested in the HR business type okay. module. So that was, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I, I did a uh, an HND, and then when I left the, left um, 
the university, the job market wasn't wasn't great, but I thought, no, I definitely want to do to be in HR, and I ended up in sales. Now you could say that was just so what um, selling advertising space, but what was so interesting about that? That is the whole people thing: how you're selling, how you're influencing, how you're learning about Connecting. companies, and you know what a, what a fabulous grounding um, to then um, then start my personal career. From, from the bottom, personnel, as it was called at that time. So I really, I feel I'm very, very lucky. I've always known that was the profession that I wanted to be in. Um, and I, I, you know, love the profession. And I know it has very mixed views um, from people. Uh, so I'm a real believer of how you can make it more human. So that's something that I really, really believe passionately about. And as you introduced me, not the HR director, it's the people director because it's about people. Um, and again, that's something I'm, I'm quite passionate around as well. So back to your uh, your question, I, yeah, I knew early on. And I suppose now you've asked me these very uh, personal questions, have realised it, it goes straight back from right when back. I was five. Wow, wow, wow. Um, and I had a theory, but you've done the research on the Sunday Night Blues, so you are definitely more of an authority. But a theory I have is when people are misaligned with their role, right? So it's not there, I was always a connector and this just makes sense for me. It's like, oh, I'm doing this role. Like I, I met with someone recently who's like always on a computer, but sounds a bit more like you, like a people connector and, and you know, is, is just um, slowly withering, if you know what I mean. Um, and I imagine, didn't have the conversation, but that there's a Sunday Night Blues issue for, for, for that experience. Do you think that there's a connection between like misalignment of roles or I should say fulfillment, right? So your happy place uh, for people who experience the Sunday Night Blues more severely. I, there's definitely a connection. Um, and what's, becoming very interesting again this is sort of the early early stages because we're, we're finalizing the research at the moment but if we are more open about what how do we feel on monday how was the sunday night blues for you for example could you say actually it was really bad i had an eight or a ten and if you're having that conversation and if you were recognizing that yourself and it was getting worse and the leader was having that mm. conversation going oh they've said ten over the last six weeks, a lot, there's a, there's a red flag there of that's something that's much potentially bigger. Could that, could that be, and again, this is back into, there are many different situations. Could it be burnout because they love their job so much? Could it be burnout because there's misalignment, because right. they're putting so much energy into it and it's taking energy away and they're not being able to, to replenish the energy from the fulfillment of the role? That's what needs to be explored. So I think the Sunday night blues could be an indicator of to be able to have that conversation. And then it's back to what you, I believe what you were saying before is there's then a bit of a personal decision because any of the individual will know, do I fulfill, feel fulfilled in this role? Is this the right environment for me? Can I influence it? Can I control it? Can I have that brave conversation? Or actually, no, this is the wrong role for me. Even if I have that brave conversation, I'm sitting, well, take your example, um, on a, I'm, I'm sitting on a computer. Isolated. I'm, you yeah. know, I'm isolated, right? I just stop playing to my strengths or my energy levels. Um, then it's time to make a change. Now, that's hard, 
but it's about uh, having that indicator early. So I think that's where, or where I believe the Sunday Night Blues could be a very, very powerful tool for individuals, leaders, and organisations. It also makes sense to everyone, right? And and I say that because I'm surprised every day about the amount of people that don't have the language for a mental health conversation or for checking in on, well, how do you feel? Or what's your well-being like? Or what what do you are you experiencing burnout? Like zero language or learning or knowledge around it. But everybody gets, I feel a bit shit Sunday night. You know what I mean? And so to have that scaling, and I, I just think this is a, a really good bridge for, for everyone to have that um, boost of self-awareness, like, oh, I'm an eight, I'm a six, I'm a four, wh- wh- whatever it might be, um, just just to help just even know what's in your control. Because so many people are lost in this vortex until their body gives way, their mental health collapses, whatever it might be. And then it's like, now I must learn, right? It's, it's sort of the, the human condition. Beautiful. Um, let me go a little bit deep. Have we not gone deep yet? You no, know me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know that I was raised in a cult, right? So I said communes, but there was some real toxic behaviors. And what's interesting is I see similarities between many organizations, the, the hierarchies, the toxicities, the power struggles, greed, you know, all that stuff kind of plays out in certain organizations, none of which we will name right now, but you know what I mean? So, um, and in my book, I talk a lot about groupthink and like people making assumptions about working practices, for example. So kind of looking around and going, oh, everyone's still online. So therefore I must be not actually checking. Am I allowed to have a boundary now? Is it OK to close my laptop? Whatever that might be. So the, the, the question for you is, what do you think people choose not to see? Like, what do they avoid in order to go with the belief that I need this paycheck or I need to pay the mortgage or, but ignoring burnout levels, their body, a whole bunch of things, a loaded question, wherever you want to go is cool. I'm, I'm curious about your, your thoughts. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a big question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, and, and it, it shows to me um, how powerful culture is. Right. For good or for not good, like right. and the whole range in between. Right, right. For you as an individual to be your wellest self, mentally and physically, to do your best work, or 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 or, or it's negative and it's it's not serving you. And and I think what's really good about and I would say maybe the last ten years of how culture has risen up the importance of, you know, there's a term, isn't there? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. I mean, they they need to be aligned, they need to be connected. The important thing is that organizations are really understanding time, energy, and effort to create the right environment, not in a in a sort of little side sort of ivory tower of here's, here's how our environment's going to be. But join that environment, be very explicit about it, is really important. And I think the explicit is really important for when somebody is deciding, is this the right role for me? Because it's about the right role in the right environment, Is that, and they need that choice. So it's been really, really clear on it. So that, I think, is a really, really positive thing. What layers on top of that is... Culture can, is very complicated and you can make it very complicated. Yep. And I think as 
CEOs and uh, people directors and leaders, oh, great culture, oh, what are we going to do? It's, what's, it's back to what happens every day and the people that you interact with every day. So what's that small group of people? Even if you're a large organization, you're not going to interact with a thousand people, two thousand people. You're probably going to interact with on quite an intimate level, four or five people, mm. probably quite closely with your manager and then maybe broadly out with your team or um, if you're you know, client facing or uh, if you're if you have your sphere of influence you're like yeah. smaller sphere of influence yeah so then how how is that environment created and what's your control in that and how different is that to the big issue i mean it can't be too different but it's about habit forming so back to your question then around um ooh, can i close my lap is it five o'clock or five? i've done all yeah. my work I've, i just need to sit here because because my contract says six well have that conversation and if you can create that habit in that that small group and it's serving everybody then that that that's how you start to shift things because to your point you can't stay still can't say here's the culture and here's how it always is because the world has moved on so that's a very long way of sort of i think probably between it but i think those are all the links of um importantly and positively how culture is high up the agenda now of uh, focus and energy. Well, and connects to performance and talent retention and all the bottom line elements of the business, right? So it's a no brainer, but of course our job is still convincing people uh, that that it's part of something. And what I heard you say is around ownership, I guess. So um, ideally a manager, like with my team, I was able to say, you know, how do people work best? Sometimes I'm online at 6 a.m. and like bashing out content and Slack messages and whatever. Um, and others would never do that in the morning. Perhaps they're doing school drop off or, or, and, or they work better and do focus time later on. So we're all a little bit different. And being able to say, when do you work at your best? What helps? What doesn't? You know, um, if someone does something really stressful, we kind of have an understanding that they may need to some time after that. So like a 30 minute, like I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to shake this off, listen to some music. And so just having that openness. But you can manage upwards. And I think people are sometimes waiting. I'm waiting for my leader or manager. And great, a great manager is able to do those things, but not all the time because they're stacked and have their pressures, right? But being able to say, hey, I just want to check. What are the expectations within this workplace? Um, is it okay if I go to the gym at six or should I like open, open? It's so simple, isn't it? And, and it's like, that's the stuff that makes the day-to-day -day culture change um, not just, of course, we need our strategies, but I love that you said it's like it's got to meet in the middle in a way. Totally. And I, I totally agree with you. It's not about waiting to be told how it's going to be. It's about creating it and having that conversation. And if it's not possible, that's some information for you, right? Correct. So it's not saying just keep fighting, you're burnt out, you're, you're going through depression and all these things. It's like, do what's in your control. And if you're hitting walls and it's still not good for your mental health, well, have different radical conversations. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like what you say. It, that's giving you information back, isn't it? information, but don't just kind of sit in that static place. Um, I, I, you're, uh, thank you so much for your time. I've, I've got like two or three more questions. I'm going to quick fire around them because I know you've got to go. Um, uh, following on from the, the culture piece, do you actually think it's possible for a company that's focused on profit and growth uh, to also have a healthy work environment? 
Sometimes yes. they're kind of pitched separately. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I I, I, yes, absolutely. Um, y- you all know there are companies that are trying to work out how to do that. Yes. I honestly believe uh, it can be a different way of working. Um, and uh, so, for example, what you've just spoken about there, having conversations and having people's opinions and time um, and listening to what works best, that takes time. And that takes a different way of working to directive. This is what we're all going to be doing at this time. And this is the meeting. Now, having all that that energy put into working out different ways of working will have the benefit of being able to trust and being able to work at speed later down the line. And I wonder if sometimes that is the trade-off between the long term to we need to deliver something now. And I've told everyone this is what we're doing. Okay, this is what we're doing. But actually, is that creating that um, innovative, oh, we could do it like this, or what about if I do it like that? Or oh, great, because not everyone's going to know the right way of doing it. And it's to sometimes just taking, it feels like taking a step backwards. It isn't to, to think about trust, psychological safety, but all the evidence points to that's where innovation, evolving working practices, and being ahead of the curve, like that's where it happens. Um, so it's it should be a no-brainer, but of course it te- takes us getting out of that survival state. Um, and final kind of big question before we let people know where to find you. Uh, if, if we think about that um, kind of we're in the future of work, but of course it's still evolving so rapidly, right? With with technology and a whole a host of things. What do you think is the most radical change that we need when it comes to well-being and the focus on mental health that we see in the world today? So that could be workplace, it could be broader than that, but um, what do you really think needs to change either about the way we think or the way we do things? I... The opportunity, I really believe, is we talk about four generations at work. And if we could bring four generations of expertise and thinking all together, that would be amazing. Rather than, well, I did it like this and I've always done it. And we know the new generation are going, well, I don't want to work like that. You know, great. So if we could really bring that energy together and get some alignment on that, I think that would be really powerful. I love that answer. Um, and you're so right, because there's so much friction that happens with those four generations. But it really, sh- if, if we could kind of align it, that's where the superpower uh, actually is. Beautiful. Um, and finally, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with, with the Sunday Night Blues studies, but also just, just you and some of the stuff you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so my website's kirstenferber.com. Um, set up for latest on uh, the research for Sunday Night Blues. If anyone wants to get in touch, if they want to be part of it, there's um, there's a way to contact me. And also there's some resources around culture of some practical things that people can put in place now um, if they want to read any more. So yeah, kirstenferber.com. We'll add all of that to the show notes. And I keep saying last question, but then I get inspired because you're so good at this. Um, what is one thing you're going to do today in a stressful day to invest in your own well-being? Um, I have, <laughs> I've done some yoga this morning well and done. and uh, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to go on a run. New, this is my new activity because uh, I feel like I run off the day and I put everything into compartments and close things down for a good night's sleep tonight. 
beautiful physical health connected to mental health. It's just a no-brainer. Kirsten, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the Disrupting Wellbeing podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got loads of ideas on how you can be the change and disrupt well-being in your world and your workplace. If you want to hear any more about our guests or the resources we mentioned, check out our show notes. And of course, find your workplace benefits at perks.com and all your strategy or training needs at petrabelzebor.com. I'm so excited for future conversations. Please do join us for the next episode of Disrupting Wellbeing with massively interesting conversations and guests who will give you practical ideas to be the change you want to see in the world. See you next time.